Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Lonely. I'm so lonely. You know, I'm really upset. (laughs) As I laugh, I'm a little depressed and I don't really know how to start a depression episode. I I guess that's an appropriate start then to a topic no one really wants to talk about for real. Very true. Hey, and we're going to make the most of this depressing ass episode. <laughs> Boom, intro done. Let's go, Lauren. Let's go. That worked. That worked. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Lauren. And we are the, the Neuro Nerds. Yes, that was on time. I feel pretty good. On, I feel pretty good about that. Welcome to the Neuro Nerds. Despite that intro, I think this isn't going to be the most somber episode, but it isn't going to be the most bubbly episode. I think, you know, the Neuro Nerds here, both Neuro Nerds. Hi, Lauren. Hi. (laughs) I think we're going to be, you know, a little bit uh, more transparent. Well, I think we're mostly transparent. I think we we are. I don't think we really hold back a lot. I don't think we really fake the funk too much, but we're going to get a little bit more serious uh, and, and cover a topic that isn't really the most pleasant topic to talk about. We're going to talk about depression. Yay. Are we ready, yeah. kids? <laughs> Are we ready? Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> Are we ready to Wait, cry? That could have been the, that could have been the oh, intro. That oh, we should do like a Squidward. Like someone should make like a Squidward episode or show intro, but it's like all about like Squidward being depressed and sad. Oh, Squidward. You know what? I kind of, if he was a uh, Squidward was real life, I'd give him a hug. You know, I'd give him a hug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, then I'd squeeze the life out of him for being a dick to SpongeBob. No, that took a turn, Lauren. Took a turn. All right, so brand. So you you hear this a lot. Brand new year, brand new energy. It's gonna be great. This is gonna be the best year. Yeah, it always ends up at some point getting really really dark really quickly because I think the expectations are so high when it's a brand new year. No, 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 guys. 
who in their right mind thought 2022 was going to be their year? Everyone was warned that 2022 was no one's year. We're all just going to sit there quietly and let the year pass us by. That in and of itself is the most oppressing thing I've ever heard. Leo, oh, let's just give up on the year. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're letting it just, you know, we're just trying to get through it, y'all. Yeah, let's not, the last few years we've had. Let, let's not antagonize the year, right? Let's not Absolutely. poke a sleeping bear. And yet... How, 2022 has already shown us its true face, guys. Dude. Right? <sighs> oh, my but, God. But, you know, we're, we're, we're basically with, still within the first quarter right. of this year. And, yeah, it's been a, it's been a ride already. What, what, a ride or shit show? You know, it's just kind of what, what, what it is, you know? Not quite a shit show yet. Yeah, yeah. Let's not throw in yet. Let's just say it hasn't been and hopefully it will not be. But what's creeped in a lot, not just to me, but for sure me, uh, a lot of us in the community is uh, depression. Depression has really kind of reared its ugly head for me a lot at the beginning of this year. And I had a thing. I don't do resolutions. I don't know if you do mm-hmm. resolutions, Lauren. I, I, I don't. I stop that because I kind of see it as, you know, an immediate failure. I do practices. So I, I wanted to put into a practice just like meditation, just like recovery. I wanted to put in a practice of every day, no matter what's going on at the end of the day, let it all go. And start the next day fresh and anew, you know, like really try to put into practice only focusing on the things that I can control, not holding on to a lot of these negative thoughts. And I was doing really well for like three days Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then I dipped and then I was good and then I dipped and then I was great and then I dipped. So like it's this weird ebb and flow, you know, but the depression when it kind of kicks in, it's I, I say the word a lot. Well, a lot, a lot. It's heavy. You know, it, it's all consuming. And I think one of the most important things that any anybody who's never had depression or doesn't understand it, it doesn't make any sense. And I don't know if that makes any sense to you, even Lauren. Depression doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Uh, here's one thing that I've heard a lot said to me and a lot of people in the community. Why are you so why are you so upset? Why are you depressed? You're 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 good. Things are going great. You know, you're alive. You know, things are like really good. Like it, that's what depression is. Depression doesn't care. You could have just won the lottery and you don't have to worry about anything financially ever again. You could do anything that you want in the world. If you're depressed, none of that matters. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. You know, it's this weird beast that I think a lot of us try to tame just to get through our days sometimes. And that's what I've been dealing with the first little bit of this year. Something important to keep in mind. It's like there's different types of depression and what they're associated with. Depression is part of post brain injury, like post concussion syndrome can include depression or depressive episodes. Just growing up in a society, you know, you can have depression and mine, I, and mine stem, you know, or it can come from PTSD. My recent bout, which was fun because I haven't had a because I am not diagnosed with depression. I have had depressive episodes where I had like one major depressive episode, went to therapy and, you know, was able to work through it. And I have recently been in one as well, but mine uh, stemmed from grief and a couple of different types of grieving and also post-injury depression as well, which has been pretty rough. In therapy, it's great. PTSD, therapy, great, y'all. Y'all, if y'all aren't in therapy, I think Joe and I say every episode, go find a therapist that works with you, for you, within your style of 
uh, recovery. Because that's another thing is sometimes people don't know is there's different approaches and different styles to therapy. And it's not just like, what flavor of therapy do you have? Where is it coming from? But also within that, like how to treat it, depending on where you're at, it could be a very quick, relatively, I'd say quick treatment, you know, it could be a couple months, sometimes it's lifelong. So it just really depends on where you're at. But for me, it's been um, a post-injury, what do you call it? Depression that has been tied into grieving what's been going on in my life. It has been a grieving process. As soon as I realized that I was down in like at the depressive episode and I had my epiphany uh, talking with my therapist, we were able to walk it back. And classically, we were able to show, okay, this was our denial phase. This was our anger phase. This was the bargaining phase. And oh, look, you're in the depression phase. So, you know, the good thing is next comes acceptance or you can relapse into any of the, you know, phases before. But for me, at least it helps me know that like, oh, I'm moving within a process. So for me, acceptance is the next step. And that's what I'm working towards to move out of this phase. But for some people, depression is a lifelong thing. It is not a phase. It is not something that can be easily transitioned out of. It's, it's one of the most difficult things I think to get past. Cause to be honest, I, I think there's so many of us out there that don't realize that they suffer from depression. You know, like it's, you really kind of have to, I didn't realize I suffered from depression until I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what's, what's crazy when I'm, t- I use the word crazy, I'm like, I mean, insane. I just say crazy. So when I went to therapy and talking to my therapist, she just broke down all these things. And she said a couple of things that I didn't understand. I didn't understand that I suffered from PTSD because I didn't understand that PTSD was, you know, post-traumatic stress from a traumatic incident. I just mm-hmm. thought it's something that happens to soldiers at war. And I'm like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not in the military. Why? I don't have PTSD. She explained my situation and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then she also mm-hmm. explained the way I, my upbringing at certain, you know, moments in my life. She's like, yeah, you've been suffering from anxiety and depression basically your entire life. And I was like, no, you know, I'm happy a lot. And she explained, yeah, yeah, no, that's not, that that's cool. That's great. You're still suffering from depression because of this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy when you take a step back and you, it's kind of like having a puzzle yeah. and you know where the puzzle's supposed to be, but then you just don't know where the pieces are. And then slowly but surely the pieces are showing up. They're a little, you know, they're a little, uh, um, you can kind of see them. You see an outline and you're like, Oh, that's a tree. That's a tree. Okay. Oh, cool. I have to <laughs> laugh because you said puzzle. And I was thinking crime scene. Where it's like it's after the fact and like you start getting the evidence and linking it together. Oh, there's uh, a yeah. bloody knife. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, exactly. Laura, I'm like, there's a beautiful tree. And then you're like, okay, here's this horrific incident. There's an ear. There's a human ear on the floor. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> well, and, and I think um, especially like, you know, people are coming to realize what they're suffering and people are like, well, I had this my whole life. I didn't know that was a thing. Thank you to our amazing community on Patreon for supporting this podcast. You can support us too and get different perks and gifts depending on which NeuroJedi tier you sign up for. For example, if you're on our Neuro Padawan $5 tier, then you're probably listening to this episode a day early before it's public release. Your support helps us grow and continue to create this podcast. Plus, a portion of the proceeds go to a different cause or individual in the brain injury survivor community each month. Sign up at patreon.com slash the neuro nerds. I think a lot of it is generational, yes. right? The generations before us. Yes. So you're Generation X, right? Um, I am. Gen I'm Gen X. X. I'm the cool right? one. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> millennial here. Um, but I think a lot of it is generational. You know, yeah. you didn't go to therapy. No. Um, in the it was past. Down and on. If you did, well, and if you did, like, it was because you were actually crazy. Crazy. Um, yeah. The stigma on- that came with it is horrific. I'm so thankful for your generation because you mm-hmm. started to make it a little bit more acceptable. Well, and on top of that, like, again, um, it was it becoming more mainstream and like you said, to be talked about. Um, and there's still parts in the world where you don't, you still don't go to therapy. You still don't talk about any sort of mental wellness. Um, and I think the other thing is cultural, right? So, you know, in, in more progressive, very Western style or Westernized areas, mental health is considered an actual medical issue, but you can live in a Western country. You can live in the United States. You can live in parts of Europe and still be surrounded by a culture that maybe either you are a part of or grew up in where mental health is not considered, it is not discussed, you keep your mouth shut and you deal with it or repress or ignore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. And that is, you know, things that are breaking. It's a generational thing. That's also for people doing a lot of generational trauma work. That's part of it is breaking those generational curses, right? And acknowledging that like, yeah, my family member way back when was this very exacting, cruel, blah, 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 blah. Part. But then you think back, you're like, but they went through like a civil war in their country and they had to be strong in order to survive. And their trauma was never acknowledged. So in order to survive, they did this, 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 and this. And so that's part of doing the work, generational work to understand healing for your people, your, your family. Right. Your bloodline. You know, that's deep. Mm-hmm. That really is. It's look, we, we are all products of our upbringing. And mm-hmm. if we think back at like our bloodline, our parents, they are products of their upbringing and so on and so forth. So at some point we have to break the cycle. You know, my family cycle was repress, 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 shove it down. Doesn't exist. Put on a happy face Don't inconvenience anybody with any issues because everything is fine. Because when my mother grew up, if you had issues in the household, like if somebody had an issue, right, that was a reflection of the entire household. The -hmm. mother failed because Mm -hmm. the daughter is crazy. She's having Mm -hmm. issues, you know, and it's not crazy. Sometimes we just have some issues and you need to kind of work those out. I I'm a lot um, I'm really open about this stuff now where before I just didn't want to talk about anything ever. I was just like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. My go to. Hey, Joe, what's going on? Ah, everything's great. Everything's great. I still fight that a little bit. You know, it's it's still kind of my go to. But, you know, I, I'm really open and talking about like mental health issues. I've suffered from anxiety and depression my entire life. I've chosen to break that cycle. I, I go to therapy. I meditate every day. I process stuff as best I can. And I've had help along the way. I, I mentioned to Lauren not, not too long ago, like literally a few minutes ago, you know, you guys don't know when I was talking to her <laughs> and how big of a help she was for me because mm-hmm. I fought depression and anxiety with toxic positivity because I was so afraid of confronting these fears and these negative dark thoughts and, and issues in my life that I just kind of played a character and I just thought, hey, I know I feel horrific. I feel very sad down to my, my core. I feel so sad. But if I just say that things are great, that means that I'm all better. Mm-hmm. No, it, it just means that I'm covering up this gaping bullet wound with toilet paper and a band aid. Like it, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not doing anything. If anything, it, it's causing more harm. 
So when Lauren hit me with that, I it shook me to my core. Like it really did. I remember like I didn't fall into a depression, but I was <laughs> taken aback and I really had to think about what I was doing. I had to think, am I truly this positive? Am I really this happy-go-lucky or am I just playing a character? Or Well, yeah, because then you have to confront your coping mechanisms. And then you're like, like you said, is this authentic or not? Do I want to be authentic? Because sometimes yes. your trauma is too big and you don't want to deal with it. it. You can't deal with it in the moment and you have other things going on. And that's okay. But sometimes... You know, it's that it's not just confronting that you have coping mechanisms. It's confronting can you, can you, oh, what's the word? I was just like, can you, it's not the word I want, but I was like, going to say deal. Can you deal with not having them or confronting them or removing them? And, it, and sometimes the answer is no, because right. yeah, you don't have the tools or the bandwidth or the support. I, I didn't have the tools early on. I had no tools. I, mm -hmm. I really didn't. I was like Cro-Magnon man. I was just starting to, to have like these like, you know, sharp ended pieces of wood. Like I, I didn't have any tools to do any of this stuff. But what I did have was support. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had the support from police who's always been amazing. I had the support from you, which I am forever grateful for. And that helped me, you know, gain my footing. It helped me gain my footing. It really the the. It falls back to, it always comes back to us, Lauren. You know what I mean? Like it really, we are the ones that have to put in the work. We, mm -hmm. we, we are all well aware. We are products of our upbringing. Let's be honest. Our parents kind of fucked us up <laughs> unintentionally, oh, to be really? honest, unintentionally. I, I know my mother in particular, she is, she carries a lot of guilt because of the way that she raised us. It wasn't ideal uh, in a lot of places, but she we talked about this a, a little while ago where, you know, she did what she needed to do to survive. Mm -hmm. She she made decisions to make sure that we survive to get to the next day. And that's great in that moment. But then we just kind of carried that over into our entire life. That's why, um, you know, my therapist told me that I've been in survival mode since I was six, which is mm -hmm. a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, now that we talk and I'm sharing like certain things about, you know, yeah, when you do this, this happens and this happens with the, this and that she carries so much guilt because she was like, I shouldn't have done these things. You know, I can't, I have a lot of anxiety because she would yell a lot as a, when mm -hmm. I was a kid, like she would yell. The reason she would yell is because she never wanted to hit us because when she was young, she was abused. Mm -hmm. So her response is, yeah, but I didn't hit you. Mm -hmm. And then I had to explain, yes, you didn't, but the yelling did this to me, you know, mm -hmm. it gave me this, it gave me this. And then she carries a lot of guilt. And my response is, and it, it has, it's never really sunk in. I'm not blaming her at mm -hmm. all. I'm thankful that she got me here. Mm -hmm. How would she have known? How mm -hmm. would she have known? You know, it's literally like when you back in the day, like when my, my mom was being raised, there's a picture of my grandmother with a cigarette holding mm -hmm. my mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's horrible. She can't feel guilty because back in the day, nobody knew that these cigarettes could kill children. Mm -hmm. They could cause cancer. Nobody knew. So you can't carry the guilt with things that you didn't know. So I try to explain to my mom, you can't carry this guilt. You didn't know you did the absolute best that you could. And I'm here, you know, but now I know better that like when I raise children that mm -hmm. I'm not going to do these things because I know how it's going to, going to end up, you know, but again, I don't mm -hmm. blame my mom at all. 
you know, like mm-hmm. we, we all grow. So we, we can sit on that. Yay. We were raised this way and this is just how it is. Or we have, we can put in the work. I've put in the work to change. I've put in the work to break the cycle. I put in the work to be a better version of myself and it's not easy, but I gotta tell you, it's pretty amazing when you kind of like hit some breakthroughs. It's incredible. Well, yeah, it's really satisfying. I would add to that that it's not, it's also not always your parents. It's also school. That's where actually yes. a lot of mine, a lot of mine comes from is from school and it, it's, and it, and you know what, it's sometimes the the dumbest things that are said in passing that you will retain because it also has to do with talk about brain, right? How, when your brain forms children's brains, they have certain phases and they form and absorb certain information at certain stages in life. On top of that, kids will understand by a certain age, I think it's like five or six, and I cannot remember off the top of my head. Like, I think by five or six, you learn what your role is in the home, right? And then by like 13 or something like early puberty, like you learn, um, that's like when you now accept and have learned what the rules are for the world, Mm -hmm. right? So whatever your exposure was from birth to 13, that has helped determine your rules for your world, which is oftentimes with people who have like deeply seated held beliefs. That's why they're so hard to break and go through within therapy and readjust how we view the world. Because as children, we have created those rules and boundaries by our environment. And then our brains don't finish fully forming until 25. So your brain is still growing and changing up until age 25. So a lot of those issues are part of a growing and finishing brain. So by the time you're in your late 20s, that's usually why you have a big shift Mm-hmm. In your late 20s and early 30s where you're like, well, I don't care anymore about people's opinions or like, oh, I feel secure or blah, blah, blah. Like there's there's kind of like a, a there's a an epiphany realization phase. I had it definitely when I turned 29 or 30 where I was like, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. But it also <laughs> has to do with like, oh, your brain has formed. Like you right. now know more of who you are if, you know, if you're in tune with that and acknowledging of it. But it all has to do again with like what we're exposed to in our daily life. And it's not just the home. It can be in school. It can be through film and media. It could be through whatever you consume that can help right. create these rules and norms. Yeah. For for me, it was, it was a lot of home issues, especially because I moved around so much as a kid. Mm-hmm. I never had like that steady home. The only thing that was steady was my family. You know, we mm-hmm. just, we, okay, we're here now. Now we're here. Oh, we're in a different state. <laughs> so that th- there was a lot of motion, but yeah, you're right. School impacted me a lot. You know, mm-hmm. it was growing up. Um, it was also strange for me too, because I did move around so much. Mm-hmm. I didn't have those school ties mm-hmm. that a lot of other kids had, you know, like, Oh, well I've known you since like second grade. I didn't have that. I moved here. I don't think I really connected with anybody until I was in junior high school and I came out here in fifth grade, I think it was. And I was just like that kid with a weird accent from New York here in L.A. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like I, I also I was in the 90s. So like the hardcore like gang 90s. So like mm-hmm. that's I was I was in school where there was like, you know, like shootings and mm-hmm. you can't wear this color, which is really some weird. Of us went through that, too. <laughs> it was just really weird. It, it was a, a really strange thing to, to deal with and that kind of like it imprinted and impacted me with the way again I didn't know I was suffering from anxiety that whole time mm-hmm. but that really 
just weighed in even I guess supercharged my anxiety you know mm-hmm. and it it affected the way that I grew up and the way mm-hmm. that like I I did things you know it probably in a really traumatic way you know what I should talk about this with my therapist there you go see you guys <laughs> epiphanies epiphanies for you and you get an epiphany and you get an epiphany let, let me ask you a question when's the first time you went to therapy so the first time I went to therapy was right after college and I was in a nine to five job. Well, not nine to five. There's no such thing as nine to five. It's eight to five. They lied <laughs> yeah. to you. It's eight to five. And it was a really toxic work environment. And I didn't have a lot to do as well. Like that was the other thing is I didn't have a lot of work. Um, so I would get bored. I'd finish my work quickly because I'm an overachiever. You know, you know, let's not say even overachiever. I am a damn good achiever. I'm not an overachiever. I'm a damn good achiever. Damn um, right. But it was a toxic work environment and, um, uh, my, like my stress was insane. My cortisol levels were insane. I gained 30 pounds in three months. Like it was just insane. And I, I realized like, uh, my mom's the one who realized there was something wrong. Cause I would lay in bed and she would ask me like, do you want to go to martial arts? Do you want to go read something? Do you want to go dance? And I remember I told her, I just want to lay here and do nothing. And she was like, I don't know what to do with you is what she said. And then I remember like, I was like, I had an epiphany and I was like, oh, is this what depression is? Cause I'd never experienced that in those, right. in that way. So at 22, I, uh, my aunt recommended her therapist cause I didn't even know who to go talk to. So I called, made an appointment, went to therapy. The interesting thing is my uh, therapist was shocked that I even showed up to therapy because she said my personality type wouldn't be in therapy until their late thirties. So she was just impressed and shocked that I, of my own volition decided to go there. But again, Lauren defies stereotypes guys, but because of that overachiever, (laughs) right? Exactly. Um, but again, when I was talking about there's different ways and different, uh, uh, different ways and timelines for people in approaching therapy, my type or my personality for, or the way I deal with things is I am very much I rip the bandaid off. I want to feel the intensity of whatever it is. And I will sit in it. I will feel it. I will be angry. I will cry it out. I will suffer however long that is, but then I can process and move on is how I am. So that initial therapy for depression was, I think a three month process. And then I was done and not done in the sense of like, even my therapist said, she's like, you have your tools. You know what to do if you need more help or if it becomes unmanageable, of course, call her back. But she's like, I don't want to keep taking your money. You are in a healthy position. You are on the upward swing. You don't need to be in here every other week or every week. And so that has kept me afloat for 10 years. And um, I'm back in it for the moment. But this is a little bit different, whereas that was a depressive episode, I think, as a result of stress and, you know, post-graduation, like, reality anyone who's a millennial will know anyone close to my age will know like we were promised something that's not non-existent and it was this like and it was right at the recession like 2007 so it was like wait 2007 no 2011 so after the recession but it was after like our bubble had popped and you know we realized that everything we were promised didn't exist um so you had all these existential crises um this time mine is tied really acutely to um grief the and moving through the grieving process and with post-injury depression it's a little bit different but it's tools 
And this time, I'm really glad my therapist, we talked about it is she's there to help me reflect and process because I still have those same tools. You don't lose your tools, guys. You don't lose right. your, your, your toolbox and your coping mechanisms and, and your, you know, acknowledge what this is. Um, and sometimes you just need someone to either help you reflect, guide you through the process or uh, validate what you're going through if you need that. So for this time, mine has been a lot of reflecting and it is a lot of going back to some childhood expectations. And it's because this time it's less about familial, I would say, and more this, this time for me, it's a lot of my own self internal stuff that I've put upon myself. Yeah. It's actually been very interesting and it's actually been really cool. I've been liking a lot of these, um, epiphanies. Like one that I had that was kind of wild guys is that I, besides my mom and my dad, who are my, my biggest role models in my life, right? I never had a female role model or mentor my entire life growing up. I had men. I had my biggest role model was my Taekwondo master, ex-military, like South Korean, right? But that was my role model. I never had a female role model. And so now the position I am, I fill the mentor role of a female role model for people. But at the same time, I'm mentoring myself, which is an interesting dynamic. So yeah, that came up and I was like, oh shit, epiphany, how, ooh, ah, ah. So that's, that's really deep. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's funny in, in therapy, you said something that really, I was like, oh wow. Yeah. That's, in, that's so deep. When you went to therapy the first time you were figuring out mm-hmm. some stuff that was kind of like thrown on you, right? The way you were raised mm-hmm. and like the, mm-hmm. the, so you're kind of talking about other people, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you're still figuring out who you are. You know who you are now. So mm-hmm. you're going to therapy. Now you're figuring out, well, who did this to you? You did this to you. <laughs> you're, you're, you're figuring out like, you're the one that you're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. I, as opposed to, you know, they, or she, or mm-hmm. he now it's like, Hey, I, you're talking a lot about yourself. That's not a, easy. No. And a lot of people that, you know, that might not be where people go. That might not be where people get to. It takes a lot you know, to move past, because sometimes you can only deal with that initial phase and it takes a lot of introspection and self-reflection to really go in deeply and be like, okay, what if, like you said, the I part, and there's no shame in the game. Like you don't have, there's like, it's not like you get to be this elevated Pokemon, right? Just because you're like, I make myself suffer, like, you know, things like that. But I like to think of it as like, for me, it's a step. Like I moved past and I worked through the, the issues that I had mm-hmm. in youth and stuff. And so like this flavor of depression I have right now, it's different. It's, it's not the same angst that I had before. And it's helpful in, for me, cause this feels fleeting. Like this feels okay. like something that I'm going to get past. And it's not, this doesn't feel like it's setting up shop for lifelong, but I know for some people, it does. And yeah. some, and it's not, it's sometimes compromising within yourself of like accepting that you have a bestie, like that is going to be with you long-term and then it's mm-hmm. making peace with that bestie. Right. Wow. That's, that's some adult ass shit <laughs> that you just <laughs> talked about, Lauren. Really? That, that really is one of the most mature things any of us can do is really like process inward. Like, Hey, I did this. I need to do this to get myself out of this. Even, you know, wow, that's just, it's, it's, it's inspiring, you know, it, it, it really is. And I think it's, it's amazing. Um, And and again, I would just always preface that and disclaimer it with, 
again, my journey is extremely not typical, guys. No, um, as my, <laughs> it's not. As my therapists have told me, like, I'm a little bit of a, they don't use the word weirdo. I assign the word weirdo in sense, but in the terms of my trajectory is you, it's, it's not the norm. So do not use my tale of recovery or my tale of going through therapy as any sort of benchmark because mine is kind of the outlier. Yeah. And we've said this several times, Lauren Almanzano, not normal. (laughs) (laughs) Really not. But it's great that you've come up with like some of these realizations, you know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing because we kind of need to know where we came from before we know where we're going, you know, without being surprised. And you just end up somewhere without knowing where you came from. You're like, Oh, I'm now a serial killer. I don't know. That just got dark (laughs) real quick, but you know, (laughs) well, what about you, Joe? Man, do you have I, any epiphanies it, to share that you may have had since you know it's I been did? I, I I had one with it's not even a, an epiphany. It was just a, a thankfulness that I had. We had a conversation a little while ago where oh, yeah. you you were uh, um it was really nice. It was really nice because you know for the most part all the time I'm this. Mm-hmm. I tell people when they meet me, hey, there's two things about me. I'm very tall, and mm-hmm. I'm always kind of this. You know, I'm very energetic. I'm jokey. I'm laughy. I'm, you know, like I'm like a little spastic kid, just a grown ass man. So I'm always that. So Mm -hmm. Lauren said something that was so beautiful because she's just such a beautiful fucking person where she's like, you know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but you don't have to be that for me. Like, if you're not feeling that, you don't have to put that on for me. Because, you know, like I cannot talk to Lauren for like a a long period of time. Then I see her, it's like, oh, hey, everything no matter what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, you know, I'll be honest, it almost fucking broke me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so kind. The, the reason being not that it was like just this really deep thing. It was just so nice that you were like, Hey, you know, you don't have to play a character with me. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I love that. So she was basically like let, letting me know hey, if you're depressed, be depressed, man. If you want to be an asshole, be an asshole, you know, mm-hmm. like just be that like, she's there. Fuck. <laughs> I can deal with an asshole. It's not that big deal. I still win, guys, at the end of the day if there's a fight. Joe has fears me on purpose. I, I don't want to get punched. So <laughs> but it, was, yeah. it, it was really nice just to have that comfort to know that, like, no matter what version of myself there is, that you're like, yeah, just be that. The reality was, and, and, I, and I shared, and this is so honest and true, no matter what's going on in my life, fuck I love it. I, I'm, I'm always, I end Looking up being this, <laughs> I end up being this version, the mm. spastic, energetic, happy version, because I just, that's my genuine reaction when I get to see you. Aww. You've had such, fuck, <laughs> fuck, mm. focus. You've had such an impact on my recovery, which mm-hmm. isn't just my recovery, which is my entire life. You've had such an impact on my life, such a positive impact where I, I, I would not be here as I am without you. So when I see I you, you, I'm that happy. And I, I, I shared with you two days ago, I had a very deep, depressive episode. Mm-hmm. It got really, really dark. You don't know when this aired, but I'll tell you the night mm-hmm. before we're recording this, I had my first night terror in over two years and it was really deep. It's not mm-hmm. something that. I I don't function well with those because I had them for my first year of recovery. It it was torture. It was torturous. And I had my first one in over two and a half years. So it it was, I've been in a really weird mental state. 
I haven't been my normal self. So actually being able to just see you and record and talk, I have felt the most normal and calm and happy that I have in a really long time. So this energy, this interaction, this is 100% genuine because of who you are to me. And it will always be that. But I I was so thankful and really, I I just blessed to, to have you say, hey, you know, you don't have to do that, you know? And I'm like, Wow, if I ever didn't feel this way when I was if I was around you, I w- I would now feel comfortable enough to be a dick <laughs> or be mm-hmm. mad or be upset. But the reality is I I'm never that because I'm always that energized when I get to see you because you've had that kind of impact on my life. Oh. I'll let Joe have a moment cuz he's over there in the on his side. But no, and I hey. think that's important guys cuz I was just having that thought and I was like, how many times guys when we're in recovery and we're trying to put our best foot forward, our best face forward. And sometimes to the detriment of how we're actually feeling, there is a difference between like putting on a face and being authentic. And sometimes you can't be your authentic self depending on where you're at, but hopefully with some of your nearest and dearest guys, that there is a dialogue and a discussion that sometimes everything's not hunky dory and these emotions are heavy and they're scary and they are not everything is awesome as the Lego movie would have us believe. <laughs> and so like, if you have someone in your life and like, just have a moment and just be like, yo, you know, like if you ain't your best, like who better to show that to than to someone that you love and trust and care for. So right. you're, yeah, you're I didn't. Yeah. And I just had that thought to express to Joe. Cause I was like, I never see him not this loon, <laughs> this lunatic. Right. <laughs> and so I was just having a thought like, I'm moody. Like there's some days, especially if we have to record early in the morning and I'm just like, I have to <laughs> yeah. have coffee to yeah. give me 10 minutes to wake up and be happy. Yeah. Um, Laura, Laura can be a little bit of a dick, but like, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It really is. You know? And I'm like, Oh, I got to tone it down a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, Joe is never like that. So I just was like, Hey, you give me that accommodation for like me to warm up. Like you can have the same one. And I would gladly give that space. So I would encourage you that whether you're a part of our awesome support teams, um, if you are part of our community that to have that dialogue with someone to be like, or even for yourself and just be like, Hey, it is okay. If you know, for this, you know, today I don't feel amazing. I don't need to pretend. Yeah. Yeah. Or put it on. Let's be authentic. You know, let's, let's, let's be honest. And, and some people, you might not have that person. You might not Mm -hmm. have those people. That's okay. You just don't Mm -hmm. have them right now. So Mm -hmm. this is like the, the lessons we learned throughout our recovery. It's a lesson in patience. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't want to just open up and unload on people who aren't really going to care and take care of you. Absolutely. You know, you have to find your people and it's okay. This is where, you know, you got to put in the or that's true if you have the finances yeah if you have a therapist or wherever you guys live a lot of places will have subsidies or free services so please you don't have to be living in california or the u.s in your home country or hometown or your university guys a lot of you if you're still in school will offer free mental health care resources or uh, alumni Um, A lot of colleges and universities will have alumni services as well. And if you're not in school, and you can also check your community resources as well. There's And there's also websites now that are free that you can, uh, or apps that you can join at least to get started. 
And yes. so, so again, even if you don't have the people, you can buy the people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like literally, if you don't have a therapist, you can buy a hooker, right? No, no. Oh my God. The neuro nerds do not. <laughs> we are sex worker positive guys, but please, they are not there to listen to your issue. <laughs> so, so there are other resources too. Are you a stroke or brain injury survivor looking for community and support? Well, the neuro nerds are here to help. Join our hashtag #YouSoRock Facebook group at facebook.com/groups/YouSoRock to connect with other survivors like you. Plus, read other inspirational brain injury survivor stories on Joe's blog at JoeSoRocks.com/YouSoRock, and submit your stories there as well. We want to hear them. And remember, you, you so, so rock. rock. <laughs> I remember I had a really really dark time years. Well. Like a lot of them, but this was like uh-huh. years ago where I was like, I, I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> I was really struggling. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have a Lauren. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a Felice. I didn't have mm-hmm. my M's. I didn't have my three M's. You know, I, mm-hmm. I didn't have the community. I just had my, myself and I was struggling so bad. Uh, somebody was talking about something. It was this app. It was called Seven Cups and or Seven Cups of Tea. I think that's what the the app is called. So basically it's just an app where you go in and you just message back and forth, or you can actually call people and just talk and they're there to listen. You know, there's uh, people that just volunteer their time and they listen to things that you have to say. So if you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you're just struggling and you just need an ear and I used it, I gotta tell you, it was really weird. It made me feel very uncomfortable, but it lifted a huge weight off my shoulder. I, I did it. I think I did it once. I don't think I did it twice. I think I did it once and it was, I was really panicky and I felt really, really awkward. But mm-hmm. afterwards I was like, wow, I think it was just having it in me to make an attempt to make an effort to do something to change that in and of itself was mood changing. You know, it, it was huge. Can I also just acknowledge a win for you that you just fucking remembered that from a few years ago off of me just saying something random and you found it can we celebrate that win because that always stresses you out it really (laughs) i don't know if you saw like the little hamster wheel going i was like fuck is it coffee is it water it's cups Mm -hmm. of something is it six cups and i was like no it was like some cups of tea it was like like, there's an old proverb i believe it was like that's where it it initially initially came from but i remember that and i remember i was like yeah i was desperate lauren i was so desperate for anything and I think even knowing that there was someone out there for me to talk, if I really hit a point where I needed it, it was there that helped me. And I think mm-hmm. it's really just taking that step, taking that first step, you know, talking to a, a, a stranger, because that's exactly what it was opening mm-hmm. up. A lot of times, some of my really good friends have opened up to me and become my really good friends because I met them twice and then they're telling me about horrific thing that's happened to them in their life because it's easier to talk to a stranger a kind stranger mm-hmm. than it is to talk to your best friend. Sometimes your, mm-hmm. your, your wife, your husband, your significant other, your parents, you know, it, it's nice just to talk because that other side has no preconceived notions of who you are. You know, mm-hmm. you're just sharing these things I and mean, being like, look hey. at me and Joe. There it is. Oh my God. We Lord, strangers. <laughs> oh my God. Guys, we're having epiphanies and realizations here today. But I also just want to make sure we acknowledge that like when Joe just had on air live, which is he remembered something so poignant to help everyone. 
from years I, ago. And you better celebrate that shit because that I saw that live. I could see the hamster wheels while I kept talking. I am so proud of you. I just had a moment because yeah. I thought, yeah, that's how we, my God, Lauren, because you, okay, you've really impacted me so much. You've mm-hmm. dragged me out of so much depression and anxiety and stress and panic so many times. I, I, didn't even recall. Oh yeah, we haven't known each other our whole lives. No. <laughs> we, we, we we literally just met randomly at a party. Mm-hmm. At a party, it was so weird. Party, it was just so. It was like an weird. adult mature dinner party. Like it wasn't even like a fun party. It was like a it was a adult dinner party of like twelve people. Yeah, I had pants on. It was crazy. So did I. I think I had <laughs> pants on too. Oh my God, that's a rarity, you know? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it, it was one of the most beautiful ones time. Like literally, I just, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, you were the stranger that I opened up to. I was the stranger that you opened up to because this mm-hmm. was, oh my God, I'm, I'm not going to fucking cry again, Lauren. I love it when you cry <laughs> on the episodes. I think people need to hear that. <laughs> I cry all the time. It sucks. Um, It, it was, you were the first, and I, I sincerely mean this. If it, I, I admit a couple of survivors. You were the first person I had met where I was like, I'm going to be a fuck. I'm going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. I can do this, you know, because I didn't feel alone. I felt mm-hmm. so lonely, which leads into, you know, the, what we're talking about. It's so mm-hmm. depressing because I, I made it back from a brain injury. Lauren, I made it back mm-hmm. from something that should have killed me to be honest, you mm-hmm. know, and I made it back to what to feel more lonely than I've ever felt in my life in this brand yeah. new brain and body. And yeah, what's you know, the point? What's the point? You know, and, and, and again, I, I say this now almost like every time isolate, like feeling isolated has nothing to do with having nobody around. I had mm-hmm. people around Felice. I can't explain to you how important she is and was. I had, you know, people around me every single day. Nobody understood what it's like to recover from brain injury. They still don't. You did. You were the first person where I talked to and it wasn't like, oh, I just feel bad for you. It was like, I understand that. Mm-hmm. I get it. I felt heard. I felt seen. And we connected on a level that I had never connected with another human being on. You know, it was yeah. life changing. You know, we had a we had a, pl- a platonic avatar moment. I see you. Yeah, seriously, it really was. It, it was just such a beautiful moment in time, and uh, I'll never forget that. And then I found out you're a huge nerd. I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. You're, like, you write fan fiction? Oh, my God, what a nerd. This is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I just it was... made a new D&D character. I spent four hours oh. making a new D&D character for a friend's birthday. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it, it was it, it was everything. It, it was then it is now it will always Aww. be one of the most important moments of my life and i'll never forget it. it it was you you just you've helped so much you you've you helped me in my recovery in my life you you've just been the 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 biggest support system you you've helped you just fuck i i'd, I'd be lost without you and i'm so thankful that i thought you were trying to pick up on me when i was telling my story at that party and guys, that inflated <laughs> sense of ego, dear God, like as if me. All right. Yeah. Hey, I'll just say this. When somebody's telling a story and you have like this, this g- g- attractive woman 
piercingly staring at you the whole like leaning on every word what are you gonna think are you gonna think oh man this chick has a brain injury and i'm everything i'm saying is resonating with her down to her core or are you gonna think i think this chick is i think she's into me oh god so guys the moral of the story tonight is if you know if you don't have a people to support you you can buy a people to support you or find a free people to support you right yes yes but hey put yourself out there look it's not easy i know it's very difficult that's why you know it's it's really hard just to to open up and share, but do it. Hey, think Nike, just do it. It worked for Lauren and I, you know, and we don't like many people, no. <laughs> but we did it. No. And, and, and it really, it, it's changed the trajectory of my recovery. And, you know, I, I'm here today because of it. And, you know, Lauren has, is like, you're like Prozac. <laughs> it's time I'm depressed. I wish I just was, because I'd be rich. And I feel a million times better. Look, it's going to be okay. I'll, I think we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up here and say it's going to be all right. I, I promise you these things, uh, depression is that beast that makes no sense. It takes over. It's just a moment in time. And as much as it seems like it's never going to end, it, it's going to end. It's going to be okay. Try to remember as best you can. You don't have to go through this alone. You know, the mm-hmm. neuro nerds, we're always here to help. Please feel free to reach out, reach out. If not to us, reach out to somebody. You know, mm-hmm. check out the links in the bio. We're going to have some some cool apps and stuff for you mm-hmm. to check out, you know, um, that Joe remembered that I remembered. Because, by the way, Joe Borges, genius. Right. Is that what you're saying? Sure. Sure. <laughs> I'll take it. And if you want to reach out, attempt to reach out to my beautiful, tiny ass kicking co-host, Lauren, you can at Lauren El Manzano on Instagram. You want to reach out to or, me, you can reach out to or, or they can message the neuro nerds and then I will get it. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's probably a better, better point of attack. You can reach out to us, the Neuro Nerds, at the Neuro Nerds on all the socials. You can reach out to me at Joseph Rocks on all the socials as well. <sighs> I thought I was going to make it through another episode without crying. Apparently, I, I can't do it, especially if I'm talking about anything remotely close to how we connected, Lauren. Jesus. Oh, mission accomplished. <laughs> and on that, Lauren, you mean the absolute world to me. I love you so much much i'm also physically afraid of you i'm not joking about that i never will be i adore you thank you for everything would not be here without you notes these neuro nerds are out damn i almost made it through without crying almost so close i'm so proud of you i i am so proud that you remembered that If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. Your reviews help us grow and reach more listeners like you. Find us by searching for the Neuro Nerds on the Apple Podcast app today.